DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, Utah fans, here we go. We got tickets to see Utah and UCLA tomorrow night. Two tickets right now. Call 855-340-ZONE. 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 You can go to that Utah-UCLA game. Be caller 12 right now. We got tickets to this weekend's college games all day long, 30 minutes past every hour. Time right now to welcome in Ben Bolt, he is the UCLA beat writer for the Los Angeles Times. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is underway. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So I guess the number one question going into this Utah-UCLA game is, are the Bruins going to have their starting quarterback? And if he plays, how effective is he? What are the odds he can get through the game without getting hurt again? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it is the, it's the big question. You're absolutely right. And I don't have a definitive answer. Uh, you know, we're, we're only allowed to watch a limited part of practice uh, Monday through Wednesday. And the thing that did, stand out to me was that Dorian made pretty huge strides uh, every every day. I and mean, the first time we saw him, he didn't even try to throw a pass. On Tuesday, he threw one just to test it. And then on Wednesday, looked almost back to normal to me. I mean, he was firing 20, 30 yarders. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much it hurt each time he threw a pass, but I didn't see any, like, long breaks between passes or uh, couldn't really see his facial expressions. But he, he threw the ball pretty well. Um, but the two things that kind of, uh, you know, stood out as far as, well, maybe he won't play are that he, every time somebody tossed him a ball, he had to catch it with his offhand, uh, which to me indicates he still got some discomfort with his throwing hand, and then he didn't take snaps uh, with either the first or second string center. So uh, that to me indicated that at least in practice he was not going to be uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks and what they were doing in drills. But but a lot can change between Wednesday morning and game time, as we know. So uh, Dorian's a really gutty player, and if, he can, if there's any way he can play, I know he will. And tell us about Ethan Garbers, the younger brother of the Cal quarterback, who is the backup quarterback. I know he's got credentials. What do you think he can do if he's called upon to play? Well, he's very highly recruited. UCLA tried to get him out of high school, and, and Washington won that battle. Uh, so they were thrilled to get him. He's, um, you know, I got challenged by Chip Kelly actually this week because I, you know, said I don't, I don't think that Ethan can be quite the runner that Dorian is. You have to change your game plan, and that he basically was having none of that. Uh, he said, you know, look at Chase up at Cal. He's the all-time leading rusher for a quarterback, and the Garbers family is very athletic. Um, and so he says there's no drop-off in running the ball between Dorian and Ethan. So, um, you know, he's only gotten a few appearances. I think he's appeared in three games this season, mostly in mop-up duty, and then twice uh, very briefly when Dorian got hurt. So we haven't seen much out of him. Uh, he converted a big fourth down against Oregon and then telegraphed the, his last pass a little bit and it got picked off. But he's from watching him in, in, in the part of practice that we can see, he's got a very strong arm. Commanding presence, doesn't get rattled, uh, and that's, all that's very impressive for a redshirt freshman. Well, it's interesting, and, and I'm curious when you, when you challenge the coach or the coach challenges you over a statement, you know, they're, they're uh, PK and I have both been doing this a long time. There are a lot of coaches that we've made assumptions with, and, 
some challenge us and we think, well, they're just trying to win a PR battle. And others challenge us and we think, wait a minute, what have we missed? We better go back and look. So I'm curious your, what you think with Chip Kelly, because what you say on the surface, it was actually going to be one of my questions here. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson runs the ball basically one out of every five or six snaps, whether it's a design run or he scrambles out of a pass play. That's a big chunk of the offense right there. Yeah, I don't know that if Ethan is the guy, uh, I, I wouldn't expect you know a lot of design runs for him because obviously you want to protect him because then if you lose him, then you're really getting down the depth chart. The guy behind him is actually a walk-on, Chase Artopius, because the third-string quarterback, Chase Griffin, also appears to be hurt. He wasn't throwing passes this week. So I think they would they would design a game plan, uh, if, if it is Ethan Garbers, that he's going to be primarily throwing the ball and not running unless he absolutely has to. Well, either way, I mean, they're going to run the ball. They've got two very good running backs. So I can see where Chip is thinking that at least overall the game plan doesn't change because basically they've got to run the ball successfully in order to win this game. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And they're coming off, uh, the interesting thing is they're coming off a season worst performance against Oregon, 110 rushing yards. I know that they'll be looking to get back on track in that department. I know that, you know, Oregon State obviously had some success running the ball against Utah, and I'm sure that Chip and the uh, other offensive coaches have devoured that game film looking for, for ways that they can, uh, you know, try to poke some holes in this Utah defense. So, yeah, I think that regardless if it's uh, an injured Dorian starting or Ethan making his first career start, uh, running the ball effectively has got to be priority number one for UCLA's offense. So I look at the UCLA defense and uh, the Oregon game, 34-31 loss. Uh, a lot of us watched the Fresno game here. Fresno had the ability to just throw the ball down the field on two big drives at the end of the game to win 40-37. And we all watched the Arizona State game here because that was a huge game for the Utes watching those two play each other. That was 42-23. So in the losses, the defense has had their problems, had their issues, given up a lot of points. How do you think they perform against the Utes? Well, you know, they're going to need to stop the pass because, uh, you know, as we've seen, Cam Rising's a very effective passer and really has taken that offense to a new level. Um, and that's not been the strength of UCLA's defense is, is preventing that aspect of, of offense. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's any kind of magic pill that the secondary can swallow right now. I think they are kind of who they are. Uh, they have had some injuries. They've had to move some guys around. Um, but, you know, preventing the big play and, and being as stout as they have been against the run, that's, that's their one saving grace this year is that they have been pretty effective in stopping the run. Um, you know, if they can limit the damage to the air and then play their usual uh, sound run defense, I think that that could be a winning formula. Utah has a trio of very good tight ends, and Keithy is so effective do a lot of different things but when i look at this bruin offense i love their tight end dulcich could you tell us about this kid because to me he looks like he's got nfl written all over him yeah he, he really does he's one of the best uh pass catching tight ends in the country he's um you know he was always fast he, he added some some pounds to become more physical uh the one knock on him is that he's a little bit uh, struggles in the blocking aspect of, of being a tight end. Uh, you know, he 
got uh, beaten up by Thibodeau quite a, a bit uh, there the other last weekend. But, um, you know, I think that that was more of a design problem than just, you know, one-on-one. Uh, I think Chip, they, they may have put him in some bad spots there where they could have gotten some more help. But um, he's just a tremendous, tremendous player. And, and, and the fact that he was a walk-on um, who got put on scholarship a couple of years ago and now is one of the top tight ends in the country is just an amazing story that uh, nobody was on this guy earlier. And now, uh, you know, I could see him having a very long, productive NFL career. Ben Bolts joining us. He is the UCLA beat writer for the Los Angeles Times. UCLA at Utah Saturday night up on the hill. The Utes for years have been awesome on special teams. But this year, early in the year, they gave up a couple kickoff returns for touchdowns. Horrified Kyle Whittingham with that. And against Oregon State, they had two punts, block, two punts blocked. One of them on a technicality. Two guys were wearing the jersey number eight. Got wiped out by a penalty. Nonetheless, special teams had been an adventure, except for Britton Covey's punt returns. How good is UCLA on special teams? Can they take advantage of Utah? Yeah, Utah's going to have to be really weary on the uh, on its kicks because Casimir Allen uh, is one of the fastest players in college football. He's a state champion high school sprinter. Uh, in California, which is really saying something because, as you know, it's, this is a great state for speed. So he's capable of, of bringing one back. He almost did it against uh, Fresno State, got tripped up, uh, was was almost in the open field. Uh, and then uh, punt return, Kyle Phillips is, is, is exceptional as well, and he, he routinely breaks a couple uh, every season. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have to really make an emphasis on that. Uh, special teams were kind of a – a problem for UCLA last week, though, because uh, you know they missed a, a contested field goal that Chip Kelly said afterward he thought actually was good, but it was called no good. And you know in a three-point game, that's pivotal. And then they had a punt uh, that the punter Luke Akers could not handle the snap and got clobbered, and Oregon took over at that point, and that was a, another big kind of pivotal moment in the game. So I think these are two teams kind of looking to steady themselves in that department and I think it's a great point that that you know we don't talk enough about special teams I'm glad you brought it up because I think it could be a huge factor Saturday I think this year we can argue uh, very strongly that this team has made progress compared to prior years. So the arrow is pointing in the right direction, maybe a little slower than some folks would like in Westwood. But nevertheless, I think there is improvement being made. But I'm wondering how legit this team is because I've seen them play a number of games now. Uh, and, you know, I thought the Oregon game was representative. Obviously, they lost. But I was disappointed in their performance against Arizona State. Uh, I thought that, that they should have. I expected more out of them. So I'm trying to get a handle as far as just how good this team is. Yeah, it's hard to say, right, because, you know, even in those losses, they've kind of come out pretty strong. I mean, they, I think through the first quarter and a half, they were dominating Arizona State, and that game flipped. And then last weekend, they had a 14 nothing lead against Oregon, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, here we go. They're, they're finally putting it together again. Um, so, you know, carrying momentum forward has been a real challenge for this team. Um, you know, the, the thing that makes me scratch my head is that it's a very veteran team with 20 returning starters, including four uh, graduate transfers who are back for a second year, a super senior year, and yet they're still committing just mind kind of baffling mistakes. I mean, Quentin Lake, the safety, lined up offside two plays in a row, and one of them negated an interception. Um, and so, you know, when you have plays like that from veteran players, uh, it's 
you have to wonder what's the root of this. Is it just, uh, you know, obviously it's not execution, but you would think that they would be at that point in their careers not making those types of errors. So it's a hard team to figure out. You know, they started so strong. They beat LSU. Everybody said, oh, the Bruins are back. Next week they fall flat, um, you know, against Fresno. And at any time it looks like they're ready to take off, uh, they have a bad loss. But then on the flip side, when you write them off, then they, they come back and win. Uh, and they also, I should note, are 3-0 on the road this season, which is important to note going into this game. So it's really, really uh, not knowing what to make of this team from one week to the next, which makes for a really kind of uh, tough viewing if you're a fan. Well, with that as the background, then the next question is going to be impossible. We were discussing earlier in the show, can anybody run the table here? And we don't think either Utah or ASU can run the table and get to 8-1. If UCLA beats Utah, we assume they'll beat Colorado. Now they're 5-2. and two. Could they run the table and get to 7-2? and two? Or do you think that's just too big an ask for the Bruins? I would normally say that there's no way, but, I mean, after this week, their schedule just gets so easy. I mean, Colorado, you know, as we all know, is really is struggles to score. I don't think there's any way they can keep up with UCLA. It's is a historically bad USC team. It's already lost three games at home, and that game is at the Coliseum, which means that that edge that they normally have at home is seem to be there this year on a rivalry game. Uh, and then they've got Cal, which is I think two and five right now. So. Um, you know, obviously there will be some drama in those games. There will be some surprises. But you got to think that if, if UCLA can somehow beat Utah on Saturday, it sets up very nicely for them to go, as you said, 7-2. and two. And I, I wouldn't take that off the table. I think that, that would, would absolutely be a, a strong possibility. Well, Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game, and thanks for coming on the air with us. All right, anytime. Thanks so much. Ben Bolch. Covers the UCLA Bruins for the Los Angeles Times. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special. Or visit them online at Lee's Heat AC. Dot com. DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us.